Welcome to The Great Podcast, a show where we take a look at the important men and women of history and decide once and for all if they are worth all the fuss. I'm Jordan. And my name's David. Thank you so much for joining us. Now, Jordan, I don't think you realize this. No. This is episode 10. Look okay. at us. We, we got to number 10. <laughs> we did it. Yay. We got there eventually. Feel happy for us. Made listeners. it happen. All right. So I'm going to hand you this. This is your, uh, your list of the children. Oh, of Marcus Aurelius and right, Faustina right. from last week. Yeah. Uh, and I even provided you something on which to write this time. So you're welcome. <laughs> I, <laughs> We're really moving I'm up in the world. Pretty sure it's the same thing I had last time. You didn't have a notebook last time. I pulled that specifically out of my drawer for you. All right. Well. Yep. Now, imagine if you will. Wow. That was probably very loud. <laughs> Close to me and still use this notebook. There you go. <laughs> you provided. Right. Okay. Are you ready, sir? Never. Imagine, if you will, the Colosseum, packed to the brim with the people of Rome. The crowd were in an uproar and seemed limitless in their bloodlust. Hundreds of animals had been killed and in increasingly inventive ways already, uh, but they wanted more. A man was guided into the center of the arena where a pole with chains awaited him. He did not struggle as the guards chained him to the pole. He had a defeated look in his eye. Another man stepped onto a platform nearby, and a great cheer went up as the man waved to the crowd. He held a javelin in his hand. The condemned man did not acknowledge the crowd, nor this newcomer. He continued to look down at his sandy sandals. <laughs> shut right, up, shut up. Right. <laughs> painting a picture here. He looked up, however, when the gates opened at the edge of the arena. Out stepped a leopard. Oh. Too skinny and clearly furious at its mistreatment. There you go. In the blink of an eye, the beast dashed across the sand. Now the man felt a new pang of fear. This savage beast would provide a horrific death, and likely not a fast one. The crowd held its breath as the leopard crossed the distance. It was only a matter of seconds, but it felt like much more, especially to the condemned man. And then the cap, cat leapt. It was mere feet from latching its murderous jaws around the soft neck of the man. When the javelin took the beast in the heart as it flew through the air. What a shot. The animal flopped onto the sand at the condemned man's feet. A trickle of urine joined the blood as the man released his bladder. Yeah. After a short pause, the crowd went crazy. And that's our intro. Wow. Yeah. Good times. Good times had by all. Except maybe the leopard and that guy. I don't know. Like, I didn't die at that moment. Moment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So. Before we actually get into the thick of this, uh, my usual note on sources. As discussed last time this week, we are going to look at Commodus, the son of Marcus Aurelius. Our old friend Cassius Dio was alive and in the Senate during Commodus's reign. However, we don't have all the pieces of his story from Dio, mm. which is unfortunate. And despite Commodus's impact and importance, he's a pretty important person, we have very little detail on a lot of stuff. However, we also have a new source that I was very excited to share with you. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Yes, I bought that the books book. by this man yes. called Herodian. He is an enigma. We know almost nothing about him other than that he was around during Commodus' reign and wrote about all the emperors of his lifetime. Hmm. And uh, he was clearly involved in the state in some capacity because he was writing about all these people. Mm -hmm. But we mm -hmm. don't know who he was, where he was from. Might have been Egyptian. We don't know. Interesting. And yet we have this very beautiful book, which uh, has really fun writing, which compared to the Historia Augusta, which is just 
all over the place <laughs> was a breath of fresh air. Yeah. It's like, well, it's in chronological order. I can follow this. Wild. Just insane. Now, <laughs> thought? with multiple firsthand sources, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. huge gaps in the historical record, right. we have a lot of stories and they usually don't agree with each other. Mm-hmm. So as always, I'm going to be crafting a narrative that is fun and follows the truth as close as we can determine it to be. So quick recap. Last time we saw Antoninus Pius take over after Hadrian. Mm-hmm. He ruled for over two decades with Marcus Aurelius as his heir and second in command. After the longest peaceful reign in Roman history, Pius died and Marcus began his own reign. Begrudgingly. Yeah, it's like, okay, fine, I will. Uh, he also declared that he would rule alongside his adoptive brother, Lucius mm-hmm, Verus. Mm-hmm. The co-rulers. Immediately, a massive flood hit and the Parthians <laughs> invaded Armenia. By this point, Marcus had had and lost several children. Still, he kept a stiff upper lip. He sent Varus out to the east to lead the war, while Marcus ran the war from Rome through his brother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Varus returned almost five years later from the east, and not a moment too soon, because the Marcomanni and many other German tribes began to assault the empire. This time, Marcus and Varus both moved to the front. They did well, but pretty early on, Varus died, possibly of the plague, which was brought back by the soldiers coming back from the Parthian War. This left multiple wars and a plague-addled empire solely in Marcus's hands. If not for his stoic beliefs, he may not have been able to handle this, as we saw, because, man, they didn't stop on this man. Mm -mm. For 14 years, Marcus fought the barbarians. Uh, He was hardly in Rome for a majority of his reign. He was also losing children and other loved ones at a crazy rate. Yeah, wild. Finally, in 180 CE, it looked like the plague was subsiding and the wars were coming to a close. Then Marcus died, possibly of the plague as well, and he left the empire to his last surviving son, the 19-year-old Commodus. We all know this goes really well. We got some foreboding messaging last time (laughs) near the end about how his one great uh, oops was Was keeping Commodus Commodus as his charge. So let's take a look, shall we? Commodus was born August 31st, 161 CE. This was very shortly into his father's reign. Now, this means he is the very first Roman emperor to be, quote, born in the purple, Mm -hmm. which means born to a father who is currently the emperor. Right. An actual royal family. Correct. As a reminder, his mother was Faustina, daughter of Antoninus Pius, Mm -hmm. the woman who birthed around 14 children, the list of which you have in your hands. Now, how many of them are alive near the, near Mm -hmm. the, by the end of our Marcus time? Seven, still. Seven. Mm-hmm. Including Commodus. That's okay, right. Cool. That's right. She's bad in 50%. <laughs> That's right. Pretty good. Uh, as we saw last time, Commodus was the younger of twin brothers. Yep. Titus, was, Titus was the other boy's name. Aeneas was born the following year. Uh, as was a trend with Marcus's children, Titus did not survive very long. He died in 165 CE, somewhere around four years old. So Commodus may or may not really have even had memories of his twin brother by this point marcus's only surviving sons were commodus and aeneas and both were still very young three and four in 166 ce marcus announced both boys as his joint heirs both were granted the title of caesar as was the custom though it is likely both were still far too young to understand the gravity of this situation commodus was often sick as a child something which likely gave his parents a lot of panic attacks i'm sure after having half your children die <laughs> he's gonna die yeah right like the rest call of them. galen 
Galen, you'll remember, was the imperial physician who often cared for Commodus and wrote the wonderful details about the plague. Oh, yes. That's right. Great guy, Galen. Mm -hmm. He saw personally to Commodus's frequent ailments as well as the other children. As one might expect for the children of such an educated man, Commodus was tutored to the gr- by the greatest minds of the mm-hmm. age. A quote from the Historia Augusta, Marcus tried to educate Commodus both by his own precepts and by those of great and excellent men. The boy would be growing up in a world of great misery and uncertainty, however. Many of his siblings and his uncle Varus had died. Aeneas was one of them. He died in 169 CE while getting a tumor surgically removed from below his ear. Oh, oh, this right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Poor kid. I can't even imagine. And this by this point, Commodus likely would be fully aware that his little brother just died because yeah. he would have been around Probably a little eight traumatizing. Years old. Yeah. And on top of that, thousands upon thousands of people were dying in the city from the plague. Yeah, just growing up in a literal hell on earth. Correct. Meanwhile, his father was away most of the time dealing yeah. with the very real threat of barbarians getting into Italy. Perhaps all of this misery, because of all of this misery, Commodus seemed a bit off, one could say. Again, the Historia Augusta, from his earliest boyhood, he was base, shameless, cruel, lecherous, defiled of mouth too, and debauched. It also provides an example. When Commodus was 12, he took a bath. This is something he really enjoyed and would continue to love throughout his life. However... <laughs> yes, baths. I mean, yeah, quite, quite I a suppose. luxury. Not yeah. a lot of people got more than the public bathhouses. Yeah, which I suppose were so. Probably yeah, yeah. kind of gross. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So this little prince really likes his baths, uh, and this bath was just a bit not warm enough. Oh no! For Commodus, someone's probably going to die from that. So he ordered the slave who had drawn his water be thrown into the furnace <laughs> yeah show him what hot in that's hot right means get him out of here the man given this order uh threw a sheepskin into the furnace to simulate the smell of burning flesh which was enough to satiate <laughs> oh the boy God. though i think a firm no might have been a better option it may be with so much going on and commodus not behaving the best marcus had a brilliant idea he would bring his only son and heir to the front with him there, he could teach his boy the ways of leading men. Mm-hmm. This might not be a terrible idea if there was some... Sounds like a pretty good idea, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there was some guarantee of safety for him, but I suppose in these times, there wasn't anywhere that I mean, was safe. same guarantee of safety as the emperor. So, you are correct. Yeah. Fair. Marcus also might have had the same hopes he'd had when sending Varus to the Parthian War. Maybe a little warfare would straighten mm-hmm. him up a bit. In 172 CE, Commodus was at the military HQ with his father. After a great victory, Marcus took the title of Germanicus, Mm -hmm. and he gave the title to his son as well, presenting him before the army as he did so. The 11-year-old was a conqueror of Germany. (laughs) In 175 CE, Avidius Cassius heard rumors of Marcus's death and so declared himself emperor. You remember that? Yeah, 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 the guy in the east. He's like, like, oh, he's dead. Well, I guess that's me now. Oh, he's not dead? Hmm. That's unfortunate. Shucks. Yeah. He may or may not have been influenced to do this by Empress Faustina, the theory being that Marcus was ill and Commodus too young to assume power. So ask a powerful general to take the role and protect her family. Right. But Marcus was not dead. He soon recovered and announced he would be heading to Egypt to put down the revolt. Mm-hmm. But Cassius was quickly, quickly murdered by his men, fearing the might of Marcus coming down upon them. Faustina died shortly after this uprising, sending 
Marcus into great sorrow. It is unclear what Marcus, uh, Commodus's relationship with his mother was like. It seems pretty likely that her death would have been a great tragedy to the 14-year-old. However, Marcus took the opportunity to tour the east of the empire with his son in tow, just to make sure everyone was in line. Along the way, they stopped in Athens and were initiated into the Eleusian Mysteries. Right. They enjoyed a few months of traveling around and not dealing with barbarian warfare. That must have been nice. Nice little break. Except they couldn't escape the plague. Yeah. <laughs> this tour would have shown the scope of the devastation the Empire had endured for the last decade. Perhaps it was seeing how broken everything was that caused Marcus to make his next major decision. On November 27th, 176 CE, Marcus declared Commodus joint emperor. No longer Caesar, but Augustus. Oh, boy. This was followed by a joint triumph for the two emperors. Emperors, And in January of 177 CE, the 15-year-old was made consul, the youngest ever mm-hmm. to that point. The usual age, I think I've mentioned, was 30. Right, yeah. And honestly, you're looking at this, and you're like, you know, not a bad idea. You're really getting him involved. He's going to learn things. When he takes over, he'll be good to go. Wow, that is a really good summation of my next line. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, so com- uh, Marcus was clearly trying to put Pom- com- So Marcus was clearly trying to put Commodus in the best position he could be in mm-hmm. to inherit the throne. Right. The boy would need the support of both the military and the Senate to safely assume power. So put him out in front of everyone. Go, here's my heir. Scratch that. Here's my co-emperor. Right. He's great. He's just like me. Love him. Protect him. Mm-hmm. Teach him. And, you know, I'm sure it won't be a problem that, um, you know, Commodus hasn't actually done anything to earn all the praise that he's been getting or the titles or the ranks. I'm sure that won't have any long-term impacts. It never goes to the head of a young, all-powerful person. Nope. Can't imagine why it would. I don't know how it would go bad. In 178 CE, Commodus married the 14-year-old Crispina. He would have been around 18. Crispina. 17 something like that with her came a large dowry of land in southern italy nice this would ensure the finances of the future sole ruler even though commodus would already be filthy rich when marcus died Mm -hmm. again this probably would have no effect on him at all after these few years of a little less misery and death marcus hauled commodus back to the danube front in 178 ce by this time marcus was likely truly seeing how poor a fit his son would be as emperor Mm. the boy was spoiled and erratic he obeyed his father, but what happened when his dad wasn't around? Yeah. On the front, Commodus spent the next couple of years watching as his father's armies defeated tribe after tribe. By 180 CE, it looked like the Romans were on the precipice of complete victory. The intention was to add two new provinces to the empire with the conquered German lands. With them, at that time, would have been Marcus's daughter, Lucilla, the oldest one on that list that you got there in your hand. Yeah. Number four that was born. Mm-hmm. She had been the 11-year-old who was betrothed to Varus, her ah, uncle, yes. by adoption. Mm-hmm. She was all grown up now and was visiting her husband, Pompeianus, who was supreme commander of the war. In early March of 180 CE, Marcus became very ill. He summoned the leading men of his military and political administration. Commodus sat beside him as Marcus spoke to the men. And this will be a wonderfully long quote from Herodian. That you are distressed to see me in this condition is hardly surprising. It is natural for men to pity the sufferings of their fellow men, and the misfortunes that occur before their very eyes arouse even greater compassion. Here is my son, whom you yourselves have educated, approaching the prime of youth and, as it were, in need of pilots for the stormy seas ahead. I fear that he, tossed to and fro by his lack of knowledge in what he needs to know, 
may be dashed to pieces on the rocks of evil practices. When a man holds absolute power, it is difficult for him to control his desires. But if you give my son proper advice in such matters and constantly remind him of what he has heard here, you will make him the best of emperors for yourselves and for all. And you will be paying the greatest tribute to my memory. Only in this way can you make my memory immortal. He probably didn't actually say that, but it sure sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, right. So uh, the last ditch, like, hey, please, please, please okay, guys, just show just, him, teach just him, look after him. <laughs> Commodus is sitting right next to me. Right, guys, look after him. He just pulls Great. him in close. He's not ready. Yeah, <laughs> take care of Commodus. That's right. And then on March 17th, 180 CE, Marcus Aurelius died. He was a sickly man, particularly in his later years. He had discussed his plans with his leading generals and his son. Push in, finish the war. And then he whispered on the side, and keep Commodus in check. Yeah, right. Control him. But Commodus was now the sole ruler. That's right. He said, I don't care what he said. I'm in charge. So... Commodus set about coordinating his father's funeral. The empire mourned the loss of their beloved emperor, obviously. He had been completely or partially ruling for around 40 years by this point. Mm -hmm. The advisors Marcus left advised the new emperor that he should probably go visit the troops. And and don't forget to pay them, you know, since it's tradition and all. Fortunately, Commodus listened. He then spoke before those assembled for the funeral and said this, I am fully persuaded that you share in my grief over what has occurred and that you are no less distressed by it than I. My father took greater delight in calling me fellow soldier than in calling me son, for he considered the latter a title bestowed by nature, the former a partnership based on excellence. Assuredly, my father has gone up to heaven where he is already companion and counselor of the gods. But it is our task to devote ourselves to human affairs, and to the administration of earthly matters. Pretty good speech. Okay, yeah. Pretty yeah, good speech right. that he also probably didn't give, but you know, Herodian <laughs> yeah. may have been there for this. So for a while after this, Commodus was indeed kept in check by his advisors. They helped guide the young man through the difficult task of being emperor and leading a war. And this worked pretty well. It seemed like the spoiled young lad was also quite malleable, however, naive and uh, easily duped. <laughs> Which works great when you have solid men running the show in the shadows. Right. But then the whispers began. Those with high ambition and low moral fiber began talking to Commodus. They talked about how miserable it was out on the front. Like, what a shame it was that Commodus was wasting his youth (sighs) fighting wars just because his daddy said so. That's right. You could come back and party. Yeah. Hadn't he given enough of his years to this damned war? Uh, I'm going to one last major quote from Herodian. I know I've had a few here Mm -hmm. in the beginning, but this is when I first started reading him, and he's so good. But, uh, quote, All the sycophants at his table, men who gauge their pleasure by their bellies and something a little lower, kept reminding him of the gay life at Rome, describing the delightful spectacles and musical shows, and cataloging the abundance of luxuries available there. Commodus was soon filled with a longing to go and enjoy life. He was spoiled, sure, mm-hmm. but he had been on the front for close to seven years. It's true. He's been out there for a minute. Life had been mostly death and misery to this point. So he called his generals to a council. There, he declared his wish to return to Rome. 
He did not tell the men he wanted to go party, like it was the days of Nero, but uh, (laughs) instead he said he feared a usurpation by a powerful man sitting around in the capital while the emperor was busy at war. It was Lucilla's husband, Pompeianus, who spoke against Commodus leaving the front. Mm. Um, It was another long and flowery speech that I have boiled down to be less Herodian. (laughs) Look, kid, we're all tired and hungry, but we need to finish this war. That's right. It's your duty. It is what your father wanted. And we're just too close to stop now. Plus, Marcus had a very secure reign, and you were the obvious heir. We should be fine not rushing back to Rome. And don't forget, finishing the conquest of two new provinces would look really good in your triumph. Right. Commodus was ashamed after being essentially reprimanded before yeah, his war council. Like, oh, man, he's right. Yeah. He dismissed his council to think on the matters further. Mm. And he never called the council again. He just went to Rome anyways. Well, not quite. Okay, good. Not off the bat. Not off the bat. Instead, <laughs> Commodus began talking to those who agreed with him. Ah, there you go. Sycophants and all. Right. The ones that uh, Herodian mentioned, they said things that made Commodus happy and excited. The he general told them said, what he wanted to hear. Yeah, What's the, wrong with that? The general said things that made him feel small and yeah. embarrassed. Commodus oh, sent word to the troops along the frontier. Hold the fort. Your emperor is traveling home. Ugh. Against the wishes of everyone. basically everyone, <laughs> yeah. Commodus signed peace treaties with almost all the tribes. Those tribes who are losing handily. And they're probably going to rebuild and come back. Well, they suddenly found themselves being offered large sums of money for the war yeah. to end. They likely could not have believed their luck. Oh my God. And with that, Commodus set off back to Rome. What a great decision. Yeah. While this move sent the military into chaos for a short bit, the people of Rome were ecstatic when they heard that the new emperor was returning to the capital. Every person alive had lived under one of the four good emperors, Mm -hmm. at least one. The son of Marcus, their beloved ruler for two decades and grandson of Antoninus Pius, was surely to pick up right where his father had left off. Has to be. People poured out of the city at his approach. Men and women wanted to be the first to behold their new sovereign, And he was a sight to behold. For those who have seen the thumbnails with the emperor's faces that I put up, you will know that Marcus is a pretty handsome man, and uh, Antoninus Pius, pretty handsome man, and Faustina, who you wouldn't have seen, also a very attractive woman. Um, So Commodus was a striking youth with a very athletic build and charming good looks. Yeah. Very striking eyes. It is curious that in Herodian's telling of this instance of him returning to Rome, there is nothing mentioned about the freedman Seodorus. The Historia Augusta claims that Commodus rode into the city in his chariots, and he was with the former slave. Not only were they riding together, which was absurd, but Commodus openly kissed him as they rolled through the crowds. Oh, my God. This period, as I mentioned, very muddy. Mm-hmm. Uh, sources are incomplete and disagree with each other, so we will just make do. In our tale, we will keep Seodorus, the freedman who rode into Rome with his new emperor. Celebrations were held, obviously, games, races, and, of course, gladiatorial combat. Right. Naturally. Marcus had stamped down on the blood sport. His son would do the opposite. He likes it. No. He loved <laughs> gladiators. Like, little kid playing with dinosaurs kind of loved yeah. gladiators. Who doesn't love watching a bunch of bloodshed? Exactly. Yeah. Apparently Marcus, but he's just weird. Yeah, he's weird. 
but the fun could not last forever. It was time to get to the business of ruling the empire. For the first couple of months, Commodus listened to the experienced advisors he'd inherited from his father. Like on the frontier, though, he soon grew dissatisfied. See, they just wanted him to do stuff. Yeah, right. And yeah. like, it's things wild. that weren't even fun or exciting. Right. Bureaucracy and stuff. Right. You know who was fun? Sayodorus. That's right. I can go party with him. Yeah, because see, like, when, when Commodus would seek his counsel, he would say things like, oh... I'll take care of that for you, Emperor. Don't trouble yourself. Hey, why don't you just head off to the brothel, yeah. and I'll take care of that for you. Yeah. Commodus was much preferred this to right. the work that right. he was being asked no to do. No one would obviously try to take advantage of me when they're just telling me things I want to hear. It's not even possible. Sayodorus yeah. is a great guy. For sure. So soon, Sayodorus was all but running the empire. A former slave was the closest person to the emperor. And the, by the Historia Augusta's reckoning, he was sleeping with the emperor as well. Yeah, maybe. The Senate was incensed. Mm-hmm. The leading men left by Marcus to advise Commodus were slowly pushed out, and Sayodorus built an administration around himself. Over the next couple of years, this was the state of things. Commodus indulged in the imperial lifestyle while Sayodorus administered the empire. It is hard to know for sure, but it seems that things were going decently well, all things mm-hmm, considered. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of corruption, but nothing too out of control. Meanwhile, the Senate and other leading officials of the city grew more and more frustrated. The 20 years of struggle were at an end, and they were plagued once again, but this time by an emperor who seemed not to care. Oh, yeah. He was very much over responsibility. Yeah. Like, nah, it's okay. I'm going to have fun instead. Mm -hmm. Now, there was one person who was particularly upset by the turn of events that had happened over the last couple of years, and that was Commodus' oldest sister, Mm -hmm. Lucilla. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Lucilla, as we have discussed, had once been Augusta, the empress. This was an official title which made her the most important woman in the empire because she was married to Varys. Right. Even if it didn't give her any actual authority over the state or anything, it was basically the most important woman you could be. Mm -hmm. Once Varys had died and then Commodus had married Crispina, that title went to her. And Lucilla was not pleased by this, nor was she pleased by the bitchy way in which this teenage brat spoke to her. Because remember, she's a bit older. She's like double the age of Crispina. On top of this, Lucilla was coming to a dark realization. Commodus was not fit for rule. Their father had been one of the hardest working men she had ever known, and he had barely held everything together. Commodus hardly worked at all, and his freedman Chamberlain was doing all the work. After nearly two years of this unusual government, Lucilla decided it was time to act. She surrounded herself with men who could get the job done. Once the deed was completed, she and her husband, Pompeianus, would ascend to the purple. Her husband was a distinguished military leader under Marcus, after all. Right. As we will find out, her husband probably didn't know about this plot. Yeah, he seems like a pretty loyal fellow. He was. Yeah. As assassination <laughs> plots go, this one was fairly simple. Mm-hmm. Pompeianus's nephew, Quintianus, volunteered to carry out the deed. The young man would wait near the entrance to the Colosseum, and as the emperor approached, he would step out, blocking the way. Then he'd stab the emperor with a concealed dagger as many times as he could. Now, if by some miracle the guards have not murdered him by this point, right. he would flee and return to the rendezvous point. Yeah, okay. Probably be fine, I'm sure. Yeah. How do you think that played out? Uh, I don't think it happened very well. 
I don't, I don't know. He either stabbed him a couple times and then died, and then and then Commodus survived, or the dagger was found immediately and he just got killed before he could even like get in position. It's even better. Okay, <laughs> I'll let Chris Scar finish the tale. Quote. Quintianus rushed from his hiding place, brandishing the dagger. But rather than stabbing the emperor at once, he wasted time crying, See, this is what the Senate has sent you. Now, I'm not saying I dislike a good show. Right. But one would imagine that if you wanted to murder someone surrounded by armed guards, you wouldn't take the time to pontificate before you start the stabbing portion of the night's events. Yeah, just like in every anime where you're like, I'm going to yell at my attack and I'm going to attack you. For like, about 3 minutes. Like, oh, okay, I'm just I'm going to I'm going to block. I don't have to count it. I'm going to block that now. You could have just done it. It would have hurt a lot, but what you if, told what me if, about what it. What if this is just the yeah. abridged version and he actually like had a full speech and he like came out ready <laughs> and only made it through this part and then just And they're like that's enough, man. Yeah, they just that's caught just, him. He's just like, guys, stab him. Stab, stab him. <laughs> get, get him. Get him. Stab him now. And they're like, "Oh yeah, right, right, right." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guards <laughs> rush forward. Uh so not only did he obviously get captured, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, but he kind of Gave away that this Everything. was a deeper conspiracy yeah. by yelling about the Senate. Right. Which uh, didn't go over well. Yeah, just openly talking about assassination plot within the government. Mm-hmm. It's great. Now, what's even better for communists is this man was a squealer. Yes. Even before I, the torture I can began. imagine. Yeah. He was so... He's, he's that guy from the second season of Alone who was so gung-ho <laughs> and then left in like 12 hours. Yeah. 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 He's yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to go kill the emperor. It's going to be so great. I've got this speech that I've been writing for two days now. It's going to be wonderful. They're like, what do you mean speech? What, what are you, you talking... That's what not... You, don't... What do you... No, no, no. Just no. stab him. Just stab him. <laughs> no, no. Okay, fine. But it'll be, you know, it'll be fine. Yeah, right. So, before the torture began... He gave up all the names yeah. that he knew of. Yeah, I bet. Mm-hmm. After the list was complete, he was thoroughly tortured uh-huh. and executed, right. along with the other people who were involved. There was another man actually involved in the attempted stabbing who also stood there well. You just waited. Yep, that's just like, good. No, my friend's giving a speech. <laughs> It'd be impolite <laughs> yeah, right. to try I would to be stab very him very right impolite to like step for it. Like he was in the middle of something. It is also likely that Lucilla would have been a prime suspect regardless. Uh, her husband's nephew held the dagger, mm-hmm. after all. Oh, well. Her uh, Lucilla and her daughter, from her first marriage, were exiled to the island of Capri. Ah. Do you, do you remember that place? I is do. That where you, yeah. Yeah. Do you recall what a it was? A long time ago. It was a long time ago. I mean, I just remember someone else being, another woman being exiled there. Correct. And um, Tiberius lived there with his sex palace. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Caligula. That's right. Correct. <laughs> yep. To sum up Lus- Lucilla's position, a quote from A Dark History by Michael Kerrigan. Not for the first time or the last in conspiratorial history, a strong woman was let down by inadequate male assistance, which I found quite. That's yeah, pretty funny. Quite funny yeah. <laughs> and very accurate. But hey. At least the women weren't executed. Yeah. Yeah. Until a year later. Yeah. <laughs> when, a, when a centurion was sent to the island to right. uh, tie up loose ends. That's right. Seems communists just didn't want the public to see him execute a former empress and his sister. Well, I mean, that's politically smart. Correct. Now, Papianus avoided suspicion as he was quite loyal to Commodus at this time. After all, he was the son of the great Marcus mm-hmm. Aurelius and my given heir and now right. emperor. What else am I going to do? Instead of execution, Pompeianus retired to the countryside. When asked to return to his seat in the Senate, he declined, citing an ailment of the eyes. Lucky bastard, frankly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lucilla had also been accused of sleeping with both of her assailants, mm. uh, who were also her cousins. So maybe he was just happy to be done with the whole thing. Yeah, I'm sure he was just like, listen, I've been fighting 
for so many years. Can I go to bed? I'm tired. Can I lay I'm gonna go down? chill. My I'm gonna chill <laughs> in the countryside, drink wine, and relax. Seems like this shit's about to get not pleasant again. Right. So I'm gonna just go. Now here's the kicker though. One of the Praetorian prefects had been in on the plot as well. Oh boy. This man was Paternus. Now, the reason I actually handed you that piece of paper today is we need to start keeping track. Oh, well. There are two okay. impo- two important positions that I want you to write down. So, okay. can you write down Chamberlain? Maybe. And then give yourself enough space to, to write some names. And then below that, prefects. Because there will be several that we need to discuss today. What do you, what do you mean room for names? What are we talking about here? We're talking about less than 10 names. So, under the prefix title? Is Chamberlain separate? Chamberlain and prefects and prefects are sec- separate. But there's going to yes. be multiple names under both of them. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. Great. So we have Paternus, which is just like paternal, but with a U.S. And he uh, had been a proven military man under Marcus Aurelius. So, so much so that he had risen up to become the prefect and then got an advancement to the senatorial class. Really impressive stuff. After all the advancement, he was seeing the work Marcus had done come crashing down and sought to put an end to it. Or maybe not. This is the story we get from the Historia Augusta, but Dio claims that Paternus was not involved at all. Mm. And uh, we, will, we will get to a point, but Herodian doesn't mention Paternus, so we'll discuss that in a minute. But we'll say that he was involved and that he evaded suspicion. All the executions and exiles sorted, Commodus took a deep breath and then started shaking a little bit. He was deeply unnerved by this attempt on his life. Well, I guess most people get a little unnerved when they, an assassination attempt happens. Mm-hmm. Particularly when you're a little bit of an egomaniac. Yeah. And you a probably bit, think you can't die you, a little I bit. I could not die. Yeah. Yes. Especially when you're a young athletic mm-hmm. emperor. Like, yeah. Yeah. To see like, oh, he could have stabbed me. Right. And there was a lot of people close to me who mm-hmm. were involved. In the chaos of all this, several big players made their moves. Uh, oh, and under Chamberlain, uh, you can put Sayoderus. S-A-O-T. E-R-U-S. So he's the Chamberlain. The cur- Chamberlain. Okay. Yeah, and currently running the Empire. Oh, Chamberlain yeah, yeah, doesn't yeah, mean yeah. running the Empire, but that's what right. Sadarus is. That's what he's doing. Correct. Yeah. Another freedman uh, called Marcus Aurelius Cleander mm. had very high ambitions. And if I haven't mentioned, freedmen are former slaves. Right. There were, there were legal means of becoming freed. Yep. And plenty of people rose quite high after becoming free. Also, Cleander despised Sayoderus. Oh, boy. And, and so did many in the palace, including plenty of the imperial guards. Mm-hmm. While the palace was tense and highly emotional following the assassination attempt, Cleander began pointing his finger at Sayoderus. This man is running the show so poorly that our dearly beloved Commodus was nearly killed. And for that matter, the guards who accompanied the emperor were also at risk for their lives because the people and Senate were fed up with Sayoderus, he said loudly to the guards. Mm -hmm. It did not take long for a handful of these Praetorian guards to be persuaded to this line of thinking. Hey, you're right. Hey, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. sounds good. That that sounds like the kind of thing I want to hear. Yeah. Seeing as they were already in the palace where Sayoderus worked and lived, the guards were able to quickly apprehend him. Nice. To keep this nice and simple and avoid a Quintianus blunder, Mm -hmm. Cleander did not waste time with words. Oh, he stabbed him. Uh, He had him beheaded immediately. Oh, good. That's a good way to do that. Commodus was devastated when he found out about this. 
In the Historia Augusta, if the Historia Augusta can be trusted, and it cannot, the two were lovers as well as partners in government. Mm -hmm. And it is telling about how good Cleander was that he was able to talk Commodus down and explain that this was all just a misunderstanding. It had appeared right. Seodorus had been involved in the plot to kill you. We just needed just to take to care of that out for you. Yeah. Cleander soon found himself in Seodorus' position as Chamberlain. Nailed it. There he what, is. What did you say? Cle- Cleander. Cleander. Yep. It's, it's exactly how it spells. It's the, uh, but spell it exactly how it sounds. That doesn't work for me. I'm just going to spell it the way I want to. That I mean, yes, but it probably Very is. Very bad cl- at English. That, well, this is Latin, so. What, that, that, that makes it worse? <laughs> it's not a good argument for me being able to spell things. Probably not how you say it in, in like the Latin yeah. anyway, so. But he would not have nearly as much power as his predecessor. Not not because Commodus intended to start ruling, but because another man was also making his play at this time. Naturally. Now, as was typical, there were two Praetorian prefects. Mm-hmm. We met Paternus already. The other man was called Perennis. P-E-R. Perennis. E-N-N-I-S. Another distinguished military man under Marcus Aurelius. And he had ambition. Perennis gladly carried out the murder of Seodorus as it removed a major roadblock to power. Now, Cleander may have planned it, right? but Perennis had the guards at his disposal. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At least, he kind of did. Okay. There was the issue of Paternus. Yes. Now, within weeks of the assassination attempt and Seodorus' death, Perennis began warning Commodus of a new threat. Oh, no. It's a little bug in the ear about Paternus. Well, this oh, was another man. plot to overthrow the emperor. Obviously. It, it would have put some senator in charge or whatever. But what mattered <laughs> is that, and the point that Perennis really drove home, is Paternus was clearly involved. Right. And Commodus went pale when he first heard this news. He knew the history of the empire well enough to know that the Praetorians had played Kingmaker mm-hmm. on several occasions. Mm-hmm. Now, Domitian was the last to suffer this fate. Though most of the guard hadn't been involved. They actually right. kind of liked him. We barely talked about the Praetorians through Trajan, Hadrian, Antoninus Pius, and Marcus Aurelius. Yeah. It's because they were very secure. <laughs> yeah. They're chilling, doing their job. But now Commodus could see the shades of the past in his present situation. This he man. wasn't a bright man. Yeah, obviously. But he had a strong sense of self-preservation. Okay. At least what he felt was self-preservation. Yeah. Idiot. Perennis got his desired outcome. Commodus called for the arrest and execution of Paternus, along with a handful of others involved in the plot. There may or may not have been a plot. There may have may or may not have been. Now, Perennis stepped into the power vacuum. He was the sole controller of the of the Praetorians. Oh boy! And Commodus was all too happy to hand Seodorus's previous duties over to this new man. <laughs> yeah. Dude, this guy's like, listen, I don't care what happens. I just want to keep drinking, eating, and having no responsibility. Just okay? super happy that someone's Thank taking you. control again. That's God, right. God, after Seodorus died, I was really worried. <laughs> I was really worried I might have to do something. I hate this guy. As a side note about how the sources disagree with each other, I mentioned this earlier. In Herodian's version, Seodorus and Paternus aren't mentioned. And Perennis is right. just in charge from the get mm-hmm. as soon as he gets there. So you can see how it's very odd because we know that these people existed. Yeah, the plague as, of so history, far as we can man. Tell. Yeah, for real. So Seodorus appeared to have been a decent administrator, if not one that the elites would have preferred. Right. Perennis was an all-around different beast. His ambition and his greed were of the highest caliber. Do you mean Chilander? Cleander? Cleander. Nope, I'm Sorry. talking about Perennis. You said Seradius about being administrative. 
Is he, he had been. Isn't he dead now? He is. He had been oh. a decent administrator. And now and, Perennis, see, this is why I had you write names down, because there's a lot of names. Cleander didn't take over? Uh, no, he took over as Chamberlain. Oh, God. Which is a specific yeah, role. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perennis now but has didn't, the, is truly gotcha. running the but show. But he didn't take over Correct. what Serratius was doing. S- yes. Still a very powerful okay. position Cleander okay. is in. Okay. But yes, so Perennis is in charge, and he is very ambitious. Mm-hmm. To secure his position after Paternus's death, he built upon Commodus's fears. Mm-hmm. The emperor was now very paranoid about people taking his power and ending his life. Perennis pointed out that those who had made attempts on his life were those rich, powerful senators. Right. Remember Obviously. the words the assassins had shouted at you? Yeah. How the Senate had sent him to murder you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those damn senators. They just, they just keep butting in. Like, like those men your father left to advise oh, you. Oh, boy. Where, where do they get off telling the emperor what to do? Yeah. How dare they advise as their role of advisors? Well, obviously, Commodus saw the wisdom yeah. in these words. <laughs> so when Perennis began bringing false charges against rich and powerful men, mm-hmm. Commodus really saw no issue. Obviously, there were was bad like, yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, for real. And when Perennis started confiscating the properties of these men, it only seemed just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it helped. Sense. Perennis had the foresight to cut Commodus in on his ill-gotten gains. Well, there you go. Yeah. Like, hey, listen, just because I care about you so much, I'm going to obviously give my emperor part of this yeah why wouldn't i Obviously. i'm just i'm doing this on his yeah, behalf to it. yeah so once again commodus settled into this new natural order he spent most of his time out of rome now though preferring his family estate not far from the capital he was kind of fearful of the city a fear that perennis continued to stoke perennis spent the next couple of years quote running the empire yeah makes sense this meant mass confiscation of property and a decent handful of executions in short time, the lowly Praetorian was the wealthiest man in the empire, and yet his greed was not satiated. Through his usual guile, he convinced Commodus to appoint his son the leader of the Illyrian legions. Making money moves. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you had something to say as you were swallowing water. Uh, this, despite the lad being a bit young and completely inexperienced. Yeah, that's great. I love, I love it. Yeah. It was also around this time that the Dacians kicked up a fuss. Let's go. Bring it back. Let's start it all up again. We've been doing this for a century now. Uh, We don't know much about this short war, but two important men were likely involved. And I would, we might just want to start having you write names down just as notes for the future. We have to, because it's just so much. You have the notes. (laughs) So you write the script and then you tell me all the history things. Then I need you to, you might remember these names, but (laughs) these names are important. Uh, These two men were involved in the fighting. Clodius Albinus and Pesenius Niger. Oh my. Yes. Is he from Egypt? I'm not sure. What it what they mean is white and black. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about them later. Perennis, it was clear, sought more than just his position as administrator. He was aiming to begin his own dynasty. Sorry, I kind of skipped over the Dacians. We don't really know what happened. Yeah, they Some just, fighting happened. They, we beat them. His the son Rome, was Rome up beat there. them. Yeah. yeah. So while celebrating an annual festival, Commodus was watching some actors perform. Mm-hmm. During a break in the performance, a man ran up on stage. Oh, boy. He carried a staff and dressed in the robes of a philosopher. Okay. Before anyone could stop him, he began to speak. Quote, Commodus, this is no time for you to be enjoying yourself by spending your time at theaters and festivals. The sword of Perennis hangs poised over your head. Unless you take precautions against this danger, which is not just threatening, but already here, you will be destroyed before you realize it. 
In quick order, the man explained that Perennis was amassing a fortune to bribe the army. The army of which his son had just been given command. Right. He's very much setting himself up. Correct. What do you think happened next? Well, obviously, a person told Commodus something that was going to threaten his life. He was like, oh, you're right, 100%. Let's get him out of here. Wait, get who out of here? Uh, uh, Perennis. Oh, what an interesting take. No. Oh, no. I just assumed that Commodus listened to anyone that told him anything that involved threatening his life or his relaxation. I am. Because he seems very stupid. I can't wait for later. Because <laughs> remember what you just said. Yeah. You're, you're, you're close but flipped in this yeah, instance. Okay. So Perennis declared this man a madman oh, and a liar. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Though most could see the truth in the man's words, they dared not speak up. Well, yeah, because Perennis is all the power and is. Right. Just been executing people already. So Correct. Commodus <laughs> allowed Perennis to arrest the man. Yeah. For speaking too openly to the emperor, he was burned alive. That seems so logical and fair. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Things were getting dicey now. It seemed everyone in Rome could smell the plot except Commodus because he was barely in Rome. It appeared it would take an army marching on the capital to convince him that there was a problem. Mm-hmm. And then an army. Yeah, I was like, did someone get an army to march on the Capitol? <laughs> what? This is, I'm being misleading. Oh, this is man. not what you're imagining. Yeah. These soldiers were actually officers from Britain. Ah. Here as a delegation with the hopes of speaking directly with the emperor. Ah, yes. Which is a bit odd. Um, sure is. Sure, Commodus thought. Uh, it would seem some things had begun breaking down. Mm. The soldiers informed the emperor that back in Britain, a mutiny had occurred. The governor's harsh treatment had pushed them to revolt. Mm. And, and one said, uh, and, and everyone kind of looked down at their feet, ashamed. <laughs> we uh, kind of sort of declared some guy named Priscus Emperor. Oh. But one of the soldiers quickly stepped forward and clarified, like, Priscus said no. He said no. And, and then he just said, I'm your legate. I'm going to keep being your legate. Okay. So, oh, so we didn't revolt and we're really sorry. But that's <laughs> not why they were here. Okay. These men had come with the aim of informing Commodus that the rumors were true. Of a Perennis? Perennis had been buying the loyalty of many ah. legions, and it was clear he planned to supplant Commodus with his mm -hmm. own son. Right. This revelation had occurred not long after the philosopher's warning. So right. Commodus was probably like, oh. Oh, two in a row. Maybe oh, there's something to this. I don't faced know. with hundreds of right. seemingly loyal men claiming the same thing, mm -hmm. Commodus was overcome by fear. I bet. The man who had saved him from the plotters was himself plotting to seize the imperial power. Who and man, he definitely could not have been plotting from the beginning, though. Yeah, no. And that how could this have sense. happened? And wait, who let fifteen hundred soldiers enter to address the emperor directly? You know, you should probably just ask Perennis if it's true, and if he says no, you should believe him. Well, that might have worked, except <laughs> that in the corner stood Cleander, the man who had killed Sayaris right. and claimed his position. Mm -hmm. Here yet again. To climb the ladder of corpses he had built. He had heard news of the unrest in Britain and called on the officers involved to bring their grievances directly to Commodus because Perennis obviously controlled everything Commodus heard through letters. Mm -hmm. The group was kept quiet until the moment they had their meeting. Perennis knew nothing. In the dead of night, Cleander, ostensibly acting on Commodus's orders, sent men to the prefect's chambers. With no pomp and no ceremony, Perennis was beheaded along with his wife. Wow. I, you know, he really learned from that failed assassination attempt. Cleander so doesn't mess doddle, around. All right. No hey, doddling. Just take it off. Just cut the head off. Don't tell him why. Hey, yeah. 
no, we're going to kill you anyways. You're just, yep. you're just dead. At the same time, riders were sent out with orders not to stop until they reached the Illyrian frontier. Okay, to where his son is. Correct. They must beat the news of Perennis' yes. death. The men arrived at the camp of Perennis' son. They informed him that he was summoned to the capital to receive a promotion. Nice. As he was accustomed to being handed jobs for which he was not qualified. Right. And believing his father to be emperor in all mm-hmm, but name, mm-hmm. he headed back to Rome. Upon arrival, he was set upon by armed men who murdered him in the streets. Could have just killed him on the way or something. Could have. Seems like a lot of logistics. Probably wanted to struggle. stay away from the soldiers. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Along with this bloodshed, many others were implicated and mm-hmm. killed. Friends and family of Perennis were slaughtered, whether they were involved or not. Well, we got to get it out of there. Also, the governor of Britain, who had failed to put down the revolt, was nearly executed <laughs> and uh, was replaced by a man named Pertinax. Okay. That name's familiar. Sure is. Okay. Now that all that is settled. Yes. Time to start taking things seriously. Is what most people would have said in Commodus' shoes. You know, Commodus said, who is going to take over the responsibility that I don't want? Well, I think it's pretty obvious. Cleander. The person who caused all the problems should probably take control. No, 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 no. He didn't cause the problems. He solved the problems. <laughs> he solved what them. Are, did you get that? Didn't you see all the dead people? He, he solved he fixed the, the problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're right. Yeah. Right. So now it was Cleander's turn there you go. to hold the reins of Imperium. And I hope you crossed out Perennis. I did. Good, good, good. I sure did. And uh, by the way, it is the year 185 CE. This okay. has all happened in five, five years. years. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So again, Seodorus. Decent administrator. Mm-hmm. Perennis, maybe a fine administrator, but highly corrupt and power hungry. Oh, yeah. He was like, I'm going to take this. Let's see how Cleander does. As those with power will do, he solidified his position. Threats to his power were removed. A new pair of Praetorian prefects were assigned. They're not important. Yeah, okay. Uh, there were two, as usual, to mm-hmm. prevent anyone getting too powerful. Right. Now, Cleander's MO was not to confiscate wealth on trumped-up charges. Instead... His game was to get put in charge of all official positions in the government and then sell them to the highest bidder. Wow. Yeah. Nice. Everything from governorships to military commands to consulships oh. were all for sale. You just you just pay me enough. Yeah, I'll just put you in charge. It's pay to win Roman style. That's nice. Unrest was popping up around the empire. I can't imagine why. Yeah, corruption and mismanagement usually goes over very well. Yeah, it definitely won't cl- create any more class disparities. Mm-hmm. Now, the general I mentioned earlier, Niger, mm-hmm. put down a group of deserters from Gaul and Germania. Soon after, two legions from Britannia had to cross over to the mainland to put down a revolt in Brittany. Oh, man. So this next piece is either related to those two revolts or separate. Either way, we're going to go through this story, which is told primarily from the perspective of Herodian. Mm -hmm. A man named Maternus began gathering up criminals and deserters around Gaul. This roving band would harass villages and steal all the wealth they could. In the ensuing months, Maternus set his eyes on bigger and bigger prizes. Soon, the bandits were large enough in number and in wealth to pose a significant threat. They began attacking small cities, and once inside, they would free the prisoners, swelling their ranks regardless of their crimes, and steal whatever they could. When Commodus was informed, he was outraged. Mm-hmm. He blamed the governors of the afflicted provinces for their inaction. These, yeah. These men, as it turns out, were Albinus, Niger, <laughs> and Septimius Severus. Okay. Commodus, likely through Cleander, ordered his men be amassed and prepared to take out this group of outlaws. And it was done. The governors began gathering their forces to hunt down the criminals, 
But soon the raids ceased, and Maternus seemed to disappear. <laughs> For a while, nothing was heard from the rebel. Rumors abounded that he was dead, or maybe he was hiding in the hills of Spain, biding his time to strike again. Whatever the case, Commodus was happy not to have to deal with it. Right. Especially at this time of year. For it was the time of the Festival of the Hilaria. Yes. Which no responsibility just, during party time. Exactly. Which is all the time. Yeah, right. So this celebration was a long one that lasted several days. It was during this festival that people could dress up as they pleased. Nice. They could portray any character and act however they wanted without consequence. Okay. Masquerades what, are fun like that. What do you mean however they wanted? Well, the, the whole point was you could dress up as any of the gods, the emperors, right. anything, just, and just act a fool, whatever. Okay. That is acceptable during this, gotcha. this festival. But not like the purge, where nothing's illegal for a couple <gasps> no, days. No, 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 no. <laughs> but everyone's wearing masks, Perfect. which is so, great. And that gave Maternus yeah. a plan. He and some of his men had snuck into Italy and made oh, their way boy. to the capital in large numbers. Yeah. They filtered in over a couple months. Once there, they managed to get their hands on the armor and uniforms of some Praetorians. Nice. During the parades that took place during the festival, Maternus planned to fall in line with the real guards, mm -hmm. and once an opportunity presented itself, cut Commodus down. Good. In the ensuing confusion, he and his men could wreak havoc on Rome. Right. And it would have worked, too, if not for some jealous little bitch boys running off and warning Commodus and Cleander. And their meddling dog. Right. We don't know why they, these people were upset, but they huh. betrayed the conspiracy okay told. interesting the rebels were captured uh maternus was executed the day before the celebrations were set to begin as herodian puts it the other conspirators quote received the punishments they deserved and that's okay. all he said this is brutal death i'm like all i don't right. know what that means but Perfect. it's probably not pleasant yeah <laughs> the people celebrated the safety of the emperor and had a great time mm -hmm. but commodus was once again terrified here he was just trying to get on with his life of sports and games and chariot races. Exactly. And people just kept trying to kill him. I'm just chilling, guys. It was unfair. <laughs> after, Pertin after Pertinax had discovered yet another plot in 187, Commodus began spending almost all of his time away from Rome. Mm -hmm. This left Cleander as the sole man in charge almost all the time. Right. And he capitalized on this. I bet. In 188 CE, he created a new position in the Praetorian Guard. <laughs> The dagger bearer. <laughs> this okay. position was the supreme leader of the guard, superior to both prefects. Man, I'm so glad that the reason for two prefects is to, <laughs> to keep supreme power away. So you just made a new position above them. Well, of course, those prefects <laughs> could do anything. More they power. need to be kept in line. The dagger bearer. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes. Isn't that just wonderful? Oh, God. Clander continued in his ways of selling public offices to enrich himself. By 190 CE, a person could hardly get any position in government without paying Cleander. Right. So naturally, some of the worst people for a position were buying their way in. Yeah. And of course, the most sought after position for those who do nothing but want clout is that of consulship. Mm -hmm. Now, I said Cleander was selling consulships. I also mentioned in the past that there are now usually two ordinary consuls. Right. They're named for the year. And then after two, three months, they resign. Mm -hmm. And then there's several Suffolk councils, yeah. councils that follow. Three, four, maybe at most. It's a lot of money for Cleander. Well, in the year 190, Cleander <laughs> sold many? a few more. <laughs> How many? <laughs> I want you to, so like I said, usually three or four. Yeah. How many? Uh, 14. 
25. Oh, man. I thought I had an overshot. <laughs> yeah. This dude. <laughs> yeah. This dude. He's still 25. 25 <laughs> of the, like, second most important oh, role. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Good. That's uh, good. One of those men was Septimius Severus, who I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Clearly, things were getting quite out of hand. The people were getting tired of this state of affairs. And then a famine struck the city. Rumors abounded that Cleander had bought up all the grain with his dirty money, thus creating an artificial shortage so he could make even more money. It is likely that this was a deliberate setup by the grain commissioner who wanted to see Cleander brought down, because a lot of people did. Gotcha. Whatever the case, people started starving. Mm -hmm. During a chariot race at the Circus Maximus, we hear its hail of a gaunt woman marching out onto the track. This scene was all the more shocking because the woman had with her a large group of starving children. Ah. The woman and children cried out against the crimes of Cleander. Soon, the massive crowd, which was upwards of 150,000 people, Mm -hmm. were pissed and started crying the same complaints. Cleander saw the writing on the walls and fled the circus. He's like, all right, cool. I'm about to... Hey... I'll see you guys later. Peace. A riot soon erupted as the enraged, starving mob sought Cleander's head. Mm -hmm. As mentioned, Commodus was almost never in the city. He was about four miles away in his villa. So when Cleander burst in, he was probably very sweaty and out of breath. (laughs) Commodus obviously knew nothing about what was going on. Cleander told him the people were rioting due to the lack of grain, Mm -hmm. leaving out their desire for his blood. Right. Mostly correct. Right. Now, Cleander rounded up the Praetorians and had them march back to the city. Many were on horseback, and the soldiers were able to rout this disorderly mob Mm -hmm. that was pouring out of the gates. Hundreds were cut down or crushed by the tide of panicked people. Those who were still in the city were shocked at the carnage as the survivors emerged through the gates with the cavalry still hot on their heels. The guards were quite confident by this point. It wouldn't take long for a group of well-armed men to put down the rabble. However, once they arrived at the city, it became clear that the people would not be subdued easily. They couldn't move their horses through the narrow streets as well and had to dismount. And then people started throwing heavy tiles down from the rooftops. Ow. Word was sent to Pertinax. That was a weird way to say it. Yes, it was. (laughs) Word was sent to Pertinax, who was at this point the urban prefect. Mm. This guy, Pertinax, sure doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The urban prefect, as we talked about before, was the only other man with a fighting force of any right. scale in the city because he had basically the police force. The Praetorians demanded he send his men out to assist against the rioters. He was like, nah. Well, they, they came out. <laughs> yeah. And the Praetorians were likely very shocked mm-hmm. when the city watch rushed out and began a street fight with them. Oh, good. Yes. yes. Oh, we'll get in the street. Oh, we'll help. Oh, we'll get there. We will definitely help. <laughs> The mob soon overcame the guards, and the Praetorians were forced to retreat out of the city. And the mob followed them. Oh, wow. They did not stop until they arrived at Commodus's villa. Once there, the people laid out their demands. They were simple. One, let us kill Cleander. Right. Two, also maybe some food, but really just the Cleander yeah, thing. Yeah, we want to kill Cleander, and we, we want to stop starving, but we really want to kill Cleander. So, back to what you said earlier. <laughs> what do you think Commodus did? Take him. <laughs> In true Commodus fashion, he took the simplest route. Yeah. Now, Marcia is a woman. There's just so many names that mm-hmm. I'm just adding her now. She is his mistress, his favorite. Okay. Basically his wife because his wife right. is off to the side. We'll talk about her in a minute. She encouraged him to give the mob what they wanted. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're here to kill Cleander because you're upset with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Have yeah, fun. Sure. Take yeah, him. got it. 
and they did have fun. <laughs> oh, no. They murdered Cleander and his son. They put the freedman's head on a spike and headed back to Rome, where they paraded it through the streets. Nice. Others were implicated in Cleander's wrongdoing, and they, too, were executed. This was, quite truly, a bloody purge. Mm-hmm. Anyone close to Cleander could now be dragged from their homes and hacked to bits, either by imperial decree or because the mob didn't like them much. As the chaos subsided, Commodus started to see things clearly. Did he, though? <laughs> he had been appointed to rule the greatest civilization in human history. His father was a god above, and he was a god on earth. He must <laughs> rule his people personally. Oh, man. You know? Yeah. You're yeah. just going to be really bad at it still. Yes. <laughs> so, after Cleander's downfall, Commodus assumed a far more active role in his government. Marcia was right there at his side, mm-hmm. along with the new chamberlain, Eclectus. Oh, wow. Yeah. And the new Praetorian prefect, Latus, L-A-E-T-U-S. As an aside, here we are talking about Commodus's wife, Crispina. Mm-hmm. She was exiled and executed at some point. Okay. Uh, yeah. Herodian and Dio claim she was caught up in Lucilla's plot in 182, mm. but there are inscriptions of her up to 191. Okay. So modern wow. thinking is she was exiled for adultery in 188, probably on false charges, during Cleander's fall, which happened in 190. Ah, so like Just bundle it all together. Right. Which makes sense since Commodus now had Marcia mm-hmm. as pretty much wife in all but name. as uh, And Crispina had not given Commodus any children in their decade of marriage, How which is obviously she? her fault. Right. Now that Commodus was in charge, he set about the important duties of his office. I can't imagine well, he went before the Senate, and he told them that he needed some new statues. <laughs> now, right. there, was, there was likely a pause. Then he explained that uh, his statues were all wrong. And they kind of, oh, well, my emperor, uh, what, what, is, what is wrong with them? Now, I mentioned a moment ago, and you kind of chuckled, that Commodus was a god on earth. Right. And I was not joking. Ugh. Commodus believed that he was, quite literally... Hercules. He okay. I, all right, man. Uh, go lift. Go lift that pillar. Well, it, what the thing is that the statues need to reflect this. Oh, gotcha. He, he like can't. He's not Commodus. Like he's he's Hercules. Right. It is likely the Senate were a bit shocked by this. Yeah. But what were they to do? Commodus has shown throughout his reign that he did not care what the Senate thought. He had shown open derision for them since that first assassination attempt. Mm-hmm. So the statues were changed. They were to be depicted as Hercules was with his lion pelt draped over his head and a massive club over his shoulder. Do you remember me mentioning why the Colosseum is called the Colosseum? No. Okay. So Nero, uh, back in the day, had planned to, after the fire, build a golden house. Mm -hmm. And he built a massive statue of Mm -hmm. himself. Mm -hmm. A colossal statue. Yes. That statue, statue had been moved in front of the Flavian Amphitheater, the Colosseum. Oh, okay. So the colossal statue, Colosseum. Okay. The statue had quickly been changed from Nero's face to the sun god's soul. Mm-hmm. Now it's got to be Hercules. Right. Commodus Hercules. Naturally. So we got to update that. And that statue is like 100 feet tall. Yeah. Get to so, it. So get to it. This was not really okay in the eyes of the Senate and the public. Emperors were deified after death. Right. There were no living gods walking amongst them. Nero had a similar problem. Yet, here they were, ruled by a 29-year-old who truly believed he was Hercules. And anything said to the contrary 
was as good as signing your own death warrant. That's right. Blasphemy. Kill him. I'm going to show you a bust of Commodus as Hercules. Okay? Okay. So that is what the man looked like. And and viewer listeners, I highly encourage you to 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 look this up because it is quite impressive. He's a very athletic, yeah, uh prime of his life man wearing a lion's uh pelt with the mouth over his head. Mm-hmm. Beautiful beard. And um don't get it twisted. He walked around like that. That's right. <laughs> well, carrying a club. He is Hercules. He is Hercules. What don't you understand? Why wouldn't he walk around like that? Exactly. And thank goodness he was Hercules. Because in 191 CE, a fire broke out in Rome. Okay. And it would be a Herculean effort to fix the damage it cost. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) Large sections of the city were destroyed, including many temples and part of the palace. Oh, no. Yeah, this is horrible for the populace. And Commodus saw it as the perfect opportunity. He set about clearing out the damaged buildings and setting up new building projects. In fact, he thought, let's scrap the whole city. Start fresh. He declared that he was Romulus and refounded the city, this time with a much better name. What? Colonia Commodiana, the city of Commodus. He just said, nah, listen, let's just restart the city of Rome. Not let's. I oh you're right. Am restarting. Right. This is city. what's happening. I Romulus Hercules Commodus. Yeah, that's normal. Speaking of all the names, uh, while he was at it, he changed the names of all the months. <laughs> As it happened, he had about twelve names by oh, this perfect. point. Perfect. So um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read these to you. The months were now Amazonius, which is a reference to Hercules, mm-hmm. Invictus, Felix, Pius, Lucius, Alias, Aurelius. Commodus, Augustus, Herculeus, Romanus, Exuperatorius, the Supreme, which is meant for Jupiter, the father of Hercules, which would be Zeus right. in, in the Greek version. Yeah. But yeah. Next, he renamed the legions to style them after himself. Oh my God. And then the fleets. This well, man's insane. Yeah. <laughs> While doing all of this, Commodus did something that truly and utterly shocked the people. He sent out word across the land that he, Emperor Hercules Commodus, would be participating in the games. Yes, please. To quote Herodian, he promised he would kill all the wild animals with his own hand and engage in gladiatorial combat with the stoutest of the young men. God, I hope so. I hope so. The people were astounded. Yeah. When they arrived (laughs) at the Colosseum, they witnessed their emperor firing a bow like a true master. Animals of all kinds were brought from around the known world, and Commodus brought them all down. By all accounts, he was one of the best shots of his age. Wild. Yes. Are you sure it wasn't just a master archer with a lion pelt on instead? <laughs> nope. <laughs> this was Commodus. <laughs> but more shockingly, the emperor was going to fight in the arena as a gladiator. Now, that's bad. Real bad. Because gladiators are the lowest form mm-hmm. of people. Yes. They are slaves. Yeah. No. Yes. You are condemned to essentially death. Yeah. But just to entertain us until you die. Like they, like gladiators were treated like athletes. And yeah. Pampered and everything. Mm-hmm. But that was just so they could keep performing. Yeah. They were still slaves right. and still like looked down upon mm-hmm. by the common people. Commodus, as we discussed, loved gladiatorial combat. Mm-hmm. He loved it so much that throughout his reign, 
which we haven't talked much about him throughout his reign, he had been training in gladiatorial arms. Makes sense. For most of that time, he had been away from Rome. In his private villa, he was free to host private contests where he could drive a chariot, another thing that slaves did, Mm -hmm. and fight with gladiatorial arms. And he was very good. Wiser heads had prevailed for many years. The people would not look kindly on the emperor fighting as a gladiator. And uh, it cannot be understated how taboo this would have been. Now, I thought of something that would have been maybe similar. Imagine right now we have a president, Joe Biden, Mm -hmm. uh, getting on a live stream and doing a sexual cam show once or twice a month. Hot. While in office. Hot. It it would be so (laughs) shocking. You would. Yeah. You could. You wouldn't. Modern day, you wouldn't believe it was really happening. Yeah. No. I'd be like, all right. Well, that's just fake. That's just just, fake. (laughs) But it's really Joe. (laughs) That is. That is wild. Yeah. Yeah. Just like the. Yeah. But Commodus was Hercules, so mm-hmm. Jupiter, gladiator, emperor. He put right. on games almost constantly Time from this fight. point on. Yeah, all he uh, so all also he could kill animals and fight men sometimes to the death. Unlike the expectation of the leading class, the plebs actually really liked this at first. Uh, I can't imagine being like, "Wow." The emperor, the godlike being that we can never possibly know or understand, is right. fighting in the arena. Yeah, especially if he's legitimately talented. Right, at it. and he was good. Yeah. He was very good, and we'll yeah. discuss more of that later. Let's just say for now that Commodus continued playing the gladiator god emperor through 192 CE. He changed the names of the months and refounded Rome in his image. Commodus was on a roll with what could easily be considered treason trials just without the trial part right just a lot of executions some by Commodus's own hand which was making powerful people very angry and mm-hmm. very fearful uh something needed to be done then in late 192 Commodus died oh and we will go into much further detail during departing demise for now what do you think wild it gets wilder. Just like what a, it's just like here's history. This is Rome. Yeah, there's some good emperors, some bad emperors, but it's things going on. What happened here? Where what? We're in Golden Age, and now we're back to okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what is going on? Yeah. Mastery of military might. Commodus was schooled in the art of warfare from a very young age. We have records of him being on the front with his father when he was around 11. Mm -hmm. And then he stayed there throughout much of the Marcomannic Wars. Right. Uh, As he aged, it is likely he partook in some of the fighting from a very safe distance, obviously. He also had a very high degree of personal combat skill. He was an expert marksman with a bow. His spear and javelin work was very good. And he was apparently a very competent hand-to-hand fighter with a variety of weapons. Obviously, the gladiators were taking it easy on him for fear of injuring the emperor, mm-hmm. but he was still skilled enough to be in there. As mentioned, uh, war broke out in Dacia once again. Very little is known about it, which might mean it was a quick victory for the Romans. Not sure, but, you know, a little war and it was won. In 184 CE, the governor of Britain decided once again to push past Hadrian's Wall and reoccupy the Antonine Wall that Antoninus Pius had set up. This went poorly. Yeah. The strict discipline of this campaign is what led the troops in Britain to revolt and declare declare Priscus emperor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That didn't uh, become an uprising because Priscus refused. He was like, no, 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 no. But the governor was nearly executed for the mishandling of things. And that's about it. That's about it. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. So, I don't know. Um... I don't know that it's a zero, and it it depends too, 
you know, mastery of military might, does the personal understanding of weaponry and like combat arms, like, does that, do you get points for that? I'm not sure. We haven't really dealt with this. Yeah. Hmm. I was thinking somewhere around a two. I was also thinking one or two. Just because he does, I give him a little bit, a little bit for being personally skilled, but only because like he privately wanted to train for his own benefit Mm -hmm. and was was extremely uninvolved with everything else. Right. (laughs) Yeah, that is true. Okay. So you're going to, you're going to give him a two, a two. Yeah. Okay. A three total. Yeah. I think a three total is fair. So that is a three overall for mastery of military might starting off strong Commodus, but I think going to get better. I think the next round is his round. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. Terrible tyranny. Here we go. So I don't usually start with the worst thing about them, but Mm -hmm. I think today I will. He was left-handed. Oh, God. That's an 11 right there. Terrible tyranny. 11. Mm -hmm. This was actually pretty negative back then, Uh, and he was very proud of it. He had inscriptions about being the best left-handed swordsman in the world. As a fellow Southpaw who likes combat sports, I appreciate the benefit of being a lefty um, in a fight. So, just thought I'd throw that in there. Now, a quote from Dio, which I think sums things up in an interesting way. Commodus was not naturally wicked, but on the contrary, a guile, as guileless as any man that ever lived. His great simplicity, however, together with his cowardice, made him the slave of his companions, and it was through them that he at first, out of ignorance, missed the better life and then was led on into the lustful and cruel habits, which soon became second nature. So, you know, spoiled kid with not a lot of direction, not the most brains, gets said, hey, sex, drugs, and alcohol. How about that instead of ruling and work? Yeah, it's boring being in charge. And then fell into that, saw lots of violence throughout his life, and Mm -hmm. so that's what he did. Yeah, I, I can't imagine that he had a lot of childhood trauma just with the state of the world and the position he you was in. You say you can imagine I can, or can't? Yeah, okay. I can imagine. I was like, you can't? I can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he grew up in a living hell. Yeah. I, I imagine it changed his psyche from a very early age. 100%. Well, let's look at a few things that he did. Thrice he left the empire in the hands of men mm-hmm. who at best weren't that great at running the show and at worst were some of the most corrupt people in the history of the empire. Yeah. Now, after the downfall of each powerful man, purges of various sizes occurred. These were carried out by those around Commodus, but often with his full consent and approval. Mm -hmm. Now, after Cleander's execution and his own assumption of power, there was a great deal of killing. I mentioned a grain commissioner likely set Cleander up for the food shortage. That commissioner was executed, as was one of the new Praetorian prefects who wasn't named. This was only a few days into taking the job. His aunt and brother-in-law were also somehow involved in some conspiracy. They were executed. And I wasn't kidding. People, families, friends, acquaintances. Yeah. If you knew certain people, you were killed in a lot of these purges. Things finally started settling down as Marcia and Eclectus, the new chamberlain, were able to assuage Commodus' fears and paranoia. There was, at last a team working close to Commodus who sought to improve the realm rather than leech upon it. Yeah, God, finally. 
But it was now... It didn't work very well. ...that Commodus began drinking his own Kool-Aid. Nice. And his uh, mental I state quickly Hercules. broke down. Yeah. It would seem, uh, as we discussed, a childhood surrounded by war, disease, and famine does a lot mm-hmm. to the psyche. And it doesn't help when the traumatized child then becomes the world's more powerful teenager. Yeah. And then people spend a decade trying to kill him. He dove headlong into his delusions and declared that he was Hercules. He renamed Rome and a bunch of other things to reflect his own name. Now, the games. We're going to go into a bit of detail on the games that he held in these final couple years of his reign. He began calling for so many games and races, sometimes literally only hours before, saying, hey, everyone, we're going to run 30 laps. Uh, You got two hours. (laughs) Get everything ready. Get prepared. Get the horses, get the chariots, get the people. Everyone needs to be in the arena. And when I mean, when I say everyone, I mean, he wanted everyone there. If there was games going on, you weren't working. You were wow. at the arena. All the people. So work ground to a halt. Because mm-hmm. for months, we were doing this all the time. To offset this, Commodus just handed out money to people. Yeah. That's, Walking around with his club and his line That's infrastructure pelt. works, yeah. Yeah, they don't need to work if I can right. pay them to come to yeah, all the nothing games. Nothing needs to get done. Plus, people love the games. Yeah. I, Commodus Hercules, am a benevolent god. Of course. Now, wild animals were brought from all places known to the Empire for these shows. Here are a couple quotes from Herodian about these games. He shot down deer and gazelles and other horned animals by pursuing them as they ran and stopping them dead in their tracks with a well-timed shot just as they made a dash for it. The lions and leopards and other fine animals of this kind he speared from above. One never saw him take a second shot, and it was always a fatal wound." On one occasion, he used some arrows with crescent-shaped heads to shoot at Mauritanian ostriches. Brutal. Birds that can move tremendously quickly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, a spear with like a horseshoe-shaped double prong so that it could slice right through an ostrich's head. Mm -hmm. Commodus decapitated the birds at the top of their necks with his arrows so that they went on running around as though they had not been touched, (laughs) even when their heads had been cut off by the sweep of the arrow. Nice. So he was a very good shot. And he did this with hundreds Mm -hmm. of animals. Uh, if you haven't figured out yet, the man who threw the javelin in our intro right. was Commodus. Uh, while this was terrible for the condemned man and the leopard, it must have been pretty cool to watch. Yeah, I bet. And now, as I you know, don't really like this source, I just wanted to <sighs> let you know that I compiled a list of things specifically from the Historia Augusta. Mm-hmm. Um, they weren't there when Commodus was alive. Dio and Herodian were. So... Yeah, take this all with a lot of salt. Some of these are quotes and some of these are just me like paraphrasing. So, quote, women of particular beauty of appearance, he gathered together like bought harlots, creating a brothel to make sport of their chastity. The assumption is that he was actually kidnapping people and mm-hmm. like, hey, you, you're hot. Yeah, you got to be the in palace. this little palace area here now. Yep. You're going to be in the room of hot women. Yep, you need to be, oh, not just women. Children, men. Oh, just anyone. Yep. You're a beautiful human. This mentions human. women, but remember, he was also probably bisexual. Right, right. He openly kissed Sayodorus in public. Mm-hmm. He may have banged some of his remaining sisters. <laughs> okay. He pretended that he was going... Or this is a quote, actually. He pretended that he was going to go to Africa, too, so that he could exact traveling expenses from the Senate. And he did exact them and spent them on banquets and gambling instead. Ah. Said, hey, I need to make an imperial trip to Africa. I need the money for it. All right, cool. Here it is. Great. I'm going to go gamble and have feasts. Thanks, fam. Yep. He killed one of his prefects with poisonous frogs. 
Oh. Yeah. A man read a book about Caligula. How dare you? And was, quote, cast to the beasts because Commodus shared a birthday with uh, Caligula. So, you know, you got to kill that guy. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. He mixed human feces into fine cuisine, oh. then would eat some of it to keep up oh. appearances, and then mock people for having eaten the poo unwittingly. Oh, God. Yeah. He pushed one of his prefects into a pool and then made him dance naked in front of the concubines. Oh, my God. Yeah. The list honestly goes on and on. As the author of the Historia Augusta did not live in the time, like I said, you know, we can assume a lot of this is probably made up. Still, he was clearly pretty crazy. Yeah. He had no qualms about ordering executions Mm -hmm. and killing people personally. And none of it really seems that far out there for him. Right. Even even the more subdued accounts are like, wow, you are nuts, bro. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think it's pretty easy 10. Dude's crazy. Dude. Oh, and yeah. just horribly tyrannical. And then the people he put in charge were some of the worst who did horribly tyrannical things. All those purges were because communists put people in charge that he shouldn't have. Right. But is being a bad uh, delegator really tyranny? It is when you have the authority to stop it, but you go, eh, I'd rather not. Yeah, I mean, he didn't want to be involved in anything. Yeah, <laughs> which also is a form of being terrible as a ruler. That's true. Yeah, I'm giving him a 10. Yeah, I'll give him a 10, yeah. for sure. The only te- perfect score we've had since Caligula. Yeah. Wow. You know, because he was just straight up bonkers. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Even after he was just insanely irresponsible. He just went bonkers and was like, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm going to just do yeah. what sounds right to me and oh kill everyone Obviously. else. Well, yeah, because I am the son of Jupiter. I am Hercules. Not Marcus Aurelius. No, 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 no. I am sucks. Hercules. Right. He had, uh, he had to have like just a number of psychic or psychotic breaks in he his must life. Have. Yeah. He must have just been very much on the edge. Yeah. And then finally, like the last thing with Cleandry went, mm-hmm. hmm. No, I think it'd be a lot more fun to be a god. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So that is a perfect 20 for terrible tyranny. On to the next. Lives of the living. Terrible. (laughs) It's got to be terrible. Yeah, it must be. (laughs) So quote again from Harati in a short one. So far, Commodus was still quite popular with the mob, even if his conduct, apart from his courage and marksmanship, was unfitting for an emperor. This, of course... Referencing how the people, once Commodus actually came out and was like, I'm going to rule, they were like, oh, and you're going to be in the arena? Yeah. That's awesome mm-hmm. for a little bit. And then it was like, oh, you're you're just crazy. Yeah, you're like, not oh, you ruling. You really like just you're killing just things. You're just insane. Okay. So um, I didn't really have any pros. That, that was my <laughs> pros section. So I'm going to just read the cons here quick. His lack of attention to government allowed a slew of men to run corrupt administrations. Each man was worse than the one who had come before, culminating in five years of Cleander selling everything, Mm -hmm. including the kitchen sink. This does terrible things to a state, and the people likely felt the ramifications for years to come. Mm -hmm. When that massive fire hit Rome, he sought to capitalize on the situation rather than help his people. Right. Though he likely did help, too. Well, he wanted to rebuild his new city. Right. It was for him. Yeah. Correct. Oh, 100%. His insanity near the end led to his assassination and further crisis, which we'll cover next time. For the first time in living memory, an emperor's actions had been a net negative for the people. Yeah. It is arguable that living under Marcus might have been worse for the people, but through no fault of Marcus's. Yeah. It was all him trying 
to fix it all. Right. He did everything possible. Mm -hmm. But now Commodus was in like a relatively very good position and just 12 years, he ruined it all. Empire was in great debt. The people had formed a mob and violently removed several people and their families from power and famine. Yes, a famine. All of this stuff happening with the emperor's approval and Mm -hmm. participation. The emperor was playing as a gladiator and a charioteer, both positions historically held by slaves. And attempts on the emperor's life were so frequent and they resulted in so much bloodshed. Yes. Lots of people died every time someone had a power play in the palace. And all of this can be laid at the feet of Commodus because he had the ability to stop it Mm -hmm. and did not. So what do we do here? What is a zero? I I don't know if anyone can be a zero. It's real hard. Unless well, not it, yet, not until like the fall. Well, this is a real setback. That's for sure. This is this is the beginning of the fall. Yeah. This is considered by most to be the beginning of the very slow decline of the Makes Roman sense. Empire. I agree because we could do it in terms of you know comparison because compared to the last eighty years of the golden age, this is the worst. No one in this, uh, no one alive in the empire has dealt with this much problems. Right. Hmm. I don't know what a zero is, but there has to be a zero. Otherwise, there's no point. I think, I don't think a zero. I think maybe like a two. You think a two? If you go two, I'm going to go one. I can, I can accept that. Yeah. A, a I mean, because it's like comparatively, like you said, right? The people's lives, maybe just by circumstance of the world could have potentially been on average a little worse for wear during Marcus, but I'm sure they had positive spirit because they had an emperor they trusted and saw the effort being made to still try to save the situation. Mm -hmm. This was just just like nothing, no hope. This man's crazy. So many people are dying. I don't know how to do anything to make my life not terrible. And it doesn't seem like they really realized it. They had this idea of the emperor as this benevolent being. And right. all the all the problems up until he took over were everyone else's fault. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then 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 he took over, and they were like, "Oh, this is cool." Oh. And they were like, "Oh wait, no, dang, it oh. was all his fault. It was he's terrible and crazy." Okay. Partially yeah. on him, huh? Yeah, I'm definitely gonna go with the one. All right, so that is a three for lives of the living. Not mm-hmm. doing great, Commodus. Departing demise. All right, so let's talk about how he died. Commodus had wrapped up some of his biggest games yet. He had slaughtered hundreds of animals right. in celebration of how awesome he was mm-hmm. and set about planning the new great conquest of helpless creatures. The plan was to host another large set of games on the first day of 193 CE to oh celebrate the refounding of Rome. Mm-hmm. Not only that, he also planned to enter the arena from the gladiator's chambers oh boy. rather than from the palace. He informed Marcia of this plan. She, like most others, <laughs> Was horrified by, like, no. at that prospect. Uh, again, this would be the taboo of all taboos right. for an emperor. Yeah, you're making it worse somehow. I didn't know you could, but this yeah, is worse. Stop. <laughs> stop. You, you, I, honey, please. Yeah. But Eclectus and Latus were then summoned. Oh. He hoped that they would approve. Right. He needed them to make the arrangements for him to sleep in the barracks with the gladiators. Oh, my God. Both men tried to dissuade their emperor, mm-hmm. and this infuriated Commodus, who stormed out of the meeting. What a spoiled brat still. Shortly after this, Marcia found a list of people to be executed in <laughs> Commodus's chamber. Uh, Herodian says the note was found by a young boy who apparently was dressed in gold and jewels and nothing else. 
which apparently was a common thing for aristocrats. You just had young naked boys running around. I don't know. I didn't want to look into that. Nope. But it was there. <laughs> anyway, so the list would likely not have been anything new for right. Marcia. Yeah. Death warrants were always. But some names all. were new. She noticed a name at the top of the list hey. that made her breath catch in her chest. Mm-hmm. Was it her own name? Marcia. That's unfortunate. Followed by Eclectus. The other two, yeah. And latest. Yeah. Obviously, they disagreed with something they wanted to do that was reckless. Of course, they need to die. Right. Now, the list went on. It contained virtually everyone who dared question Commodus at this time, mostly the men left from his father's regime. My God. As Herodian puts it, quote, Commodus's intention was to be rid of all the remaining senior advisors of his father, since he felt embarrassed at having respectable witnesses to his degenerate behavior. Yeah. Wow. So he knew. <laughs> he was like knew what he was doing was wild. Yeah. But he's like, ah, I can't have responsible people see. It. They just need to die instead. How about they just die? That's better. So Marcia rushed from the chambers and sought out Latus and Eclectus. Yeah. It was clear the madman meant to put on a spectacle with their executions, mm-hmm. along with the deaths of both consuls, so that Commodus <sighs> could emerge as gladiator consul. What does that even mean? Now, see, yeah, so my next line is very bizarre. Even the translator was like, huh? Yeah. There's just a section where it just says dot, dot, dot with a a number. Oh, yeah. So you can read. And he's like, I think this is what he's saying. It just doesn't really make sense. (laughs) Correct. But yeah. So they needed a plan to remove Commodus Mm -hmm. quickly. The first major issue was the Praetorian Guards. As Commodus was a fun-loving, athletic man who gave money to the guard and army liberally, mm-hmm. uh, they were unlikely to cooperate with the coup attempts. This was where Latus would come in. As prefect, he would be able to keep those guards who could be bought or mm-hmm. convinced close to Commodus yeah. and the rest away. The saying goes that poison is a woman's weapon. Yeah. And so it was Marcia's weapon. If you believe Dio... She applied the poison to Commodus's meat that night. And if you believe Herodian, she mixed him a strong wine with enough fragrance to mask the smell of both? the poison. Yeah, why not both? Yeah. <laughs> well, Commodus wolfed down whatever it was. Yeah. He was a bit of a glutton for food and especially for drink. We well, trained all the time, man. Mm-hmm. Need them very calories. Got to calories in, calories up. out. Absolutely. Soon after, the emperor felt very ill. Mm-hmm. Marcia and Eclectus kept close to their liege as he oh. lay in his chambers. What? I said, oh, no. Oh, no. Are you sick? Are you feeling oh. bad? Oh. oh let, me, let me just sit next to you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he flitted in and out of consciousness for some time. Fear gripped the group. It was imperative that Commodus die during the late hours of the night. Latus would currently be running around the city banging on doors. Mm. They needed a replacement emperor. Just like, hey, listen, uh, do you want to be emperor? Do, do you, <laughs> hey, how about you? How are you feeling? Hey, you, are you trying to be emperor tonight? Yeah. <laughs> then... Commodus woke from his stupor. Come on, man. You should have been feeding him more poison. Like, hey, drink this. It'll make you feel better. Yeah. Well, what followed was a very prolonged bout of vomiting. (laughs) The conspirators watched on in horror as the emperor expelled everything from his gut. I bet. Had he expunged the poison along with his food and drink? Was there still enough in him to finish the job? After this very violent episode of vomiting, which lasted an unpleasant amount of time, (laughs) Commodus announced that he would require another bath. He was known to take <laughs> upwards of eight baths a day. A j- oh my god! Yep. So the uh, the ailing man limped off to to his private baths. Well, I mean, someone could just push the head under. You know, oh, he's such a strong guy, though. 
He's weak. He's weak he's, right now. He is weakened. Well, Latus had returned by this point and informed the group that the replacement had been arranged. Nice. He was shocked to learn that Commodus had gotten up and left yeah. on his own two feet. <laughs> <He's> like, what? <laughs> Clearly, something further needed to be done. Mm-hmm. So Latus set off once again, a new plan rapidly forming in his mind. Right. Commodus likely felt terrible. <laughs> I, yeah, dude. Dude's the, been vomiting for hours. Yeah. The usual comfort the steamy baths brought were almost annoying with his stomach convulsing and his fever peaking. Yeah, I was going to say, it probably just caused more nausea and dehydration and yeah. made you feel terrible. Yeah, he was just considering getting out when he heard footsteps behind him. Mm. He didn't turn to see who it was, obviously. Probably some attendant to ensure he did not lack for anything. Naturally. Or to make sure his bath was hot enough. Correct. Because we wouldn't want that mistake again. That's right. Very suddenly... A muscled arm was around Commodus's neck. There you go. Despite his weakened state, he was an athletic fighting man and so struggled with all his might to get free. The emperor and his assailant fell into the warm waters and the struggle continued. It was no good, however. The man squeezed Commodus's neck so tightly that the emperor couldn't have drowned even if he had tried to inhale the water. Nice. After several minutes of holding Commodus under the water, the man let him float face down in the bath. There you go. Had Commodus seen him before his death, he would have recognized him as Narcissus, one of his wrestling partners. <laughs> Latus and several of the senators who had been condemned had convinced Narcissus to undertake this plot very quickly, likely with the promise of amnesty and a nice sum of money. Right. And he was like, oh, yeah, that guy's kind of an asshole. Yeah, I'll kill him. Yeah. yeah. So Commodus was poisoned and then strangled to death on December 31st, 192 CE. Nice. He was 31 years old and had ruled by himself for over 12 years. Oh, my God. We will see how the rest of this plot unfolded in the next episode. But uh, what do you think? I, I find that one quite interesting. What a trip. Yeah, that was... What, it, it is just like a little... It's like, what? Ha, where are we? Yeah, what is, what is going, going on? on? Aren't we in the Golden Age? I'm so confused. Is, this, is it Rome? Is this... What year is it? What, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. But departing demise... My God. <laughs> I I think it's a 10, honestly. I think it's a 10. It's as... It's, cool as it's as cool as the assassination of caesar in my opinion which we gave perfect tens that's fair i mean he did just double assassination while he was poisoned yeah and was like yeah i need a bath actually Pretty yeah gross maybe it was just the crazy the crazy in him was like i can't die maybe the poison is scared of i me. mean well i mean that and on top of just being in probably very very good shape yeah being extremely healthy mm-hmm. just helped him prolong his death very likely yeah yeah i'll go with a 10 yeah all right so he will get some points so that is another perfect score so the only other perfect score we have is caesar we yeah. have two 19s in this in this yeah, section yeah very well done lasting legacy oh man wouldn't i mean this could be potentially a high score it could but just for the wrong reasons yeah yeah legacy isn't good <laughs> right it's just how, all right you remembered well so as i mentioned at the beginning commodus was the only emperor to this point born in the purple mm-hmm. this would remain true for another 150 years well it didn't work out this time so, right yeah you know. so sorry spoilers but <laughs> spoilers. uh yeah it doesn't go well and uh, a large portion of the population today knows of Commodus as portrayed by Joaquin Phoenix in the 2000 film Gladiator starring Russell Crowe. Yeah. So a very, very popular movie. If, if there's a, a name of a later Roman emperor people know, it's Marcus Aurelius and Commodus. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That version is really interesting and frightening in its own way. But I think they really missed a chance 
uh, on making a truly terrifying and vicious person yeah. who's also very pitiful and pathetic. Right. Because Commodus was that. Maybe if they had taken Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker and put him as Commodus, it would have oh, been a little yeah. bit closer. Yeah. Yeah. Bear in mind, Commodus had inherited a battered but still very strong empire. Mm -hmm. His father had capitalized on 60 years of good management to hold it all together for another two decades. By Commodus's reign, things were shaky, but at the strongest they'd been in a while. Commodus's actions and his inactions can be directly tied to the end of what most historians consider the golden age of Rome. From Trajan through Marcus Aurelius, there was no better time to live in the Roman Empire. Yeah. Despite the setbacks Marcus faced, he left Commodus a stable, if depleted, empire, and he had lost it all. Oh, yeah. This was also the end of the Pax Romana. Mm -hmm. 200 years of internal peace since Augustus ended the previous centuries of civil war. Mm -hmm. Spoilers, there's a good bit of civil war in our near future. Man, I, I can't imagine why. Everything's going so well. Everyone yeah. likes each other mm -hmm. so much right now. Now, all of this stuff, including, you know, the downfall of the... Pax Romana, the end of the Golden Age, the decline of the Empire can be laid at Commodus's feet. Yeah. And he is still known today, though portrayed in a fictional version. Mm -hmm. I don't know, man. That's a really big impact. <laughs> Lasting legacy. A very you long... ended Rome. Oh, he... oh, good. And he's the gladiator emperor. That's true. He's the crazy man who fought as a gladiator in the arena. Really well, too. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't so, just a show. It wasn't. It was, it was. Well, it was a crazy show if it was well, anything. Well, yeah, it wasn't like for show. He was actually a very mm -hmm. good fighter. Correct. I don't, you know, I don't want to give tens willy-nilly, but man, it's a lot of legacy. I'm going to give him a nine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Should I give him a nine, too, just to spite him? I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. Just to spite this man, we've had man. very high scores in legacy. I suppose that's because I well, picked we are, the most. Yeah, I'm like you people. are intentionally picking the ones that true. Uh, stuff has happened. Yeah, I'll go with a nine. So we'll both give him a nine. Yeah. So that's an eighteen for the lasting legacy. Oh my God, I think it's a bit less impressive of a legacy than Marcus's. Oh, I mean, like, yeah, the legacy is very, very unimpressive, but 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 like like really strong in a negative way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. He, well, he did not do well. <laughs> I know he didn't do well. So with uh, Lasting Legacy 18, what do you think his final score is? And I will tell you right now, the range is 85.5 is our best. Yep. And 53 is our worst. And that's Nero. I'm trying. I'm doing, I'm doing the math real quick. I can't remember. Don't do the math. The last score. What do you think you got? What do you think you got? This man got a 39. What? No. Oh, that's no. unfortunate. He got several perfect scores. Uh, oh, he got that's a, the other one I missed. Okay. Yeah. 49. He had a 56. Ugh. Just beat Nero by three. And he he lost to Caligula somehow by <laughs> 11, which is interesting. Oh, probably Lives of the Living, because under mm -hmm. Caligula, like it was really just the rich people that he was right. just being a dick to. Yeah. All right. Well... Not a great score, but we have a couple questions. Oh, man. What a... No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> we got to wait. We got to roll the music. We got to roll oh, the thing. Okay. The great... All right. So does he no. deserve... <laughs> <laughs> Was it not long enough? <laughs> so he's not the great. No. Easy enough. Okay. 
So then the last thing we need to discuss are his epithets. <laughs> so I actually have a few this time. So the easy one, Commodus the Gladiator, pretty straightforward. Boring. I also have two related to his godhood, the okay. false god okay. or the unholy god. Okay. Commodus the Craven, Commodus the Coward, the Corrupt, or the Degenerate. This is a delusional. The delusional. The yeah. deluded. There you go. The deluded. Hmm. This man's crazy. Yeah. This man- <laughs> Commodus the deluded. This man's mind got warped and just was like, yes, no, I am a god. He's not well. Yeah. Really, really unfortunate. The cowardly lion. The cowardly lion. <laughs> <laughs> I do like I do like uh delusional. Commodus the delusional. Yeah. Because this man is just crazy. Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he was delusional about the like the people that were running the 100%, show for him. Yeah. He was like, oh no, they're doing a great job. They got it. They they got it. I'm gonna chill. All right. Well, Commodus the delusional. Will you let me just type in here? Thank you. All right. Well, Commodus, what an interesting but terrible ruler. Just it yeah, it really it really did seem like oh, Rome was just transported back in time to when everything was terrible. Right. Okay, cool. Well, we had three yeses in a row for the great and probably would have also had Antoninus Pius if we had taken the time to to do a boring episode on him. Mm. But now we have Commodus as a no and very confident no i don't want to spoil things but it might be a while well as being attributed to most likely the start of the fall i don't i don't see it getting better oh but we have some interesting ones coming i'm sure there's some people that tried oh yeah to make it better and Mm -hmm. it just it's too far gone the boulder's already rolling man it's rolling real fast hard to stop yep but some people will try and we will cover them well thank you guys so much for listening uh we had to kind of cram this one in on a, on a Tuesday, I wanted to probably record Wednesday or Thursday, but we are both just jam-packed. That's right. Real busy so for the next couple I, of weeks. I've actually been like tracking my time on, on the work on these things. Yesterday, I worked for three and a half hours on this, and today, including the recording here, I'm at five hours and 15 minutes. So, you're welcome, people All who want a regularly you. scheduled podcast. The people. The people. All right, bye.